Hello there, and welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And today's guests are both a mixture of Philly's most celebrated traits, arts, and activism. The legendary DJ Rich Medina has moved masses and minds with his talents and turntables for the last 30 years, increasing the historic value of our DJ culture. Award-winning chef Kurt Evans chooses to go beyond the palate by purposefully creating cuisine and experiences around criminal justice reform in America. Whoa, yeah, get ready for this. But first, around the Philly phase, Justin, what are we doing today? What is your favorite spot to go that doesn't have alcohol? You know how people are always like, I want to go somewhere that's not based around drinking. Do people say that? Who says that? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're here right, for all. Rachel, you go first. Okay. Well, there are some classes where you can bring your wine, but you don't have to. <laughs> There's always a great pottery class, Clay Studio. They have wonderful classes. And I'm also going to say Buddha Babe. They have amazing sewing classes that you can bring your kids to, or you can, you know, learn how to make different pieces, which is great around the holidays. So those are two things I'll mention. Okay, so you said no drinking, so I immediately thought of eating. And I didn't know this, but I, so I want to try this. There are a number of food tours in Philadelphia where you can go around and just taste from a bunch of restaurants. If I was you, that'd be dope. And then you could cross-reference with your loving grit list and cross them off your list and whatnot. And then the other thing I was going to say is I had hot yoga and ice skating over there at is it Dilworth? I always say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And ice skating at Yeah. Dilworth. And it always looks so nice in the holidays. It's so pretty, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just the Christmas it, it village. It makes you feel good about the city. So mine's food too. You can tell if it's not drink, we all went right to food. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what type of people we are. So Insomnia Cookies, which is an amazing Philadelphia-based company, which is Yum. expanding, they're actually going downtown and building their bakery in the middle of Center City at the old Walgreens at Broad and Sansom. Oh, but anyway, they have a cookie speakeasy in South Philadelphia. What does this mean? I don't even need to know a code word, Uh regular insomnia. Uh And they'll let you back into the speakeasy where they make milkshakes and special cookies. And it's really cool. It's across from Pat's and Gino's. There's a lot (gasps) almost every night. Do they spike the milkshakes in the back? Okay. Okay. I was was just curious if people, okay. I was thinking about the people. You said speakeasy. So, you know, I know, no, no. That's where your mind goes, of course. Let's start the show. Let's start. Just to be clear, when the title Legendary DJ gets dropped, it is a very specific and elite title, a title respected by masses around the world. One of the reasons the world understands that is because of DJ Rich Medina. If you haven't sweated the night away at Lil Ricky's Rib Shack, Rich's nine-year residency at APT in Manhattan, if you haven't sweated the night away at Rich's tribute to Paradise Garage, AKA Home, listen, if you haven't sweated the night away while discovering your new favorite Fela or Afrobeat song at Jumpin' Funk, well, I don't want to say you haven't lived, but your life could be better. Rich has been expressing his heart and soul and activism through his music for the last 30 years, whether it be as a DJ, poet, a music producer, an owner of a creative space, a musicologist for the Barnes, or becoming a member of the advisory board of his alma mater, Cornell University's Hip Hop Collection. Yep, I said it, alma mater. So if you haven't met our modern Renaissance man, it is our pleasure to introduce you to DJ Rich Medina. I feel like there's a lot more that Laia could have listed that she didn't. Like you had the honor recently being a Pew Fellow as well? Man, I mean, the Pew Fellowship is one of the most prestigious art grants in the country. I believe there were 60 or 70 people nominated 
And once you're nominated, you apply. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's 10 or 11 people actually received a fellowship. And in 2021, I was one of those people. What it means is really difficult to describe because for those of us independent makers, you know, when you're out here just kind of in the bush doing what you do, it's kind of about the process, right? Like it's not so much about where you're going to land or where the end game is. You're just trying your best to do good work, work that's redeeming, work that people can take it home with them and perhaps add something to their own game out of inspiration or out of being provoked in some kind of positive way. So for the Pew Center for Arts and Heritage to recognize me, a transplant to Philadelphia as a Philadelphia artist whose work has moved the needle. Yeah, I don't have many honors that exceed that. I love everything that you mentioned in that description, because a lot of times people think about arts and culture, but then for some reason, it's not always automatic when you think about music and the music scene and what that means, not only for Philadelphia, just globally. Why do you think that sometimes that disconnect takes place? I can definitely speak to that from the stance of a disc jockey. I think Mm -hmm. that we are not necessarily viewed as musicians. Hmm. If I had a guitar in my hand and I was playing Michael Old Jackson McDonald. with you, well, that's something that is deserving of a request, but we get back. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm playing rock with you and you would rather hear human nature, you aren't allowed to walk onto the stage, interrupt me, and speak to me as if I've done something wrong to you because in the moment, your satisfaction isn't being met. So that's a huge part of the disconnect between why DJs don't get put into the category of musician because Mm -hmm. many people don't see the turntable as an instrument. Many people don't see the musicality that goes into stringing hours of songs together into one giant song that hopefully makes sense for the majority of the patrons in the room. Um, They also see it as a service to them. Correct. And there's some fairness in that. You know, Mm -hmm. we are are there to serve. We are there to provide. We are there to open a door to another aspect of your mind that you might not otherwise get. But it's not for you individually. You didn't pay the fee or set parameters around what you do or do not want to hear at your event. You're only a patron. And sometimes those requests come with a disposition that doesn't matter what you want to say to me. Your attitude is so stink. Uh I really don't care what you have to say. And you're out of pocket. (laughs) And usually belligerent and drunk. Methinks the era of the request of the DJ is becoming, is dying. Like, I think that folks are starting to understand. I think, I mean, it definitely isn't at its height anymore. I'm saying it like I'm rich. I mean, is it rich? (laughs) I think that people are becoming more and more in tune with the fact that the craft is something to be taken seriously. I believe that 100 percent. Let you drive. They let you drive. You're the pilot. Like, you know, why would you hire a chef and then come stand in front of the stove and tell them how nice your eggs Benedict is? Like, get out the kitchen (laughs) or cook it yourself. I want to take a little bit of a bunny trail because we know you have your residency. And one of the things that we always say this once you're on the podcast, you're a part of the Love and Grit family. So one project that we're working together is during Art Basel, Love and Grit on the Road, and we're bringing a slice of Philadelphia to Miami. We want to make sure that we connect artists, art lovers, tourists with everything, or at least a taste of what Philadelphia has to offer. So we're really excited that you will be one of the influential people there and just a legendary Philly DJ. But can you talk about 
what Art Basel means to the community, what your residency means, and some of those connections for our listeners. Art Basel is a large gathering organized by the Scope Gallery in Miami for who knows how long at this point it's been going on, but it's an annual gathering where independent artists as well as gallery commissioned artists are able to display their wares and look for new gallery partners, look for new places to commission your work, look for buyers who are just independent art lovers who are out in the marketplace looking to buy pieces of art. It's also a bit of a leveling of the playing field for the Black art community and the establishment art community because it's a space where independent art is set to thrive. And as we know, the vast majority of the most successful Black artists worldwide are functioning from an independent capacity. So it means a great deal for the Black community. It means a great deal for the arts community. And I think it means a big deal for the city of Miami to be hosting such a wide gathering of style and taste and influence to host it in a place like Miami. It brings commerce to the city. It allows the city to maintain its cosmopolitan edge by its interaction with tourists who are in town or art lovers who live here, who may not get out to such things very much. So they're waiting all year for Art Basel because this is where they get their bounty. Can you talk about the impact that Philadelphia has had on you? Without a doubt. I mean, Philadelphia is a place where I became a man. I came to Philadelphia at the end of my very short, relatively uneventful professional basketball career and had an opportunity to shift gears twice. I went from being a professional athlete to being a Fortune 500 executive. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, finding a way through the community of people that I was coming across, like Questlove, Cosmo Baker, King Britt, Laia, you were there and around at the time. That just sounded funny, my name with those names, but sure. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) We are giving you your flowers and I need you to receive because we all know that you are part of that coalition. You are part of that culture. You've been a connector in that community for as long as I can remember, without Mm -hmm. a doubt. And it's not always just about those of us that are on the stage, you know. But Which is really nice that it's talked about like a community like Mm -hmm. that. Questlove Mm -hmm. will say that all the people on the stage recognize all the people who have put them there, which you don't hear often. There's almost like a Philadelphia humbleness. For sure. And Philadelphia is the quintessential blue collar, get up every morning, do what you got to do, get to work, do what you got to do, come home, spend your time with your family. If you got the time or the means to get out and have a little fun with your friends, cool. But at the end of the day, Philadelphia is a blue collar, everyday person's town. And I think that what that does for makers is it humbles you. It takes some of that flashiness and that fanciness off of it that, that can come with celebrity and popularity and will keep you in the woodshed working. Because if you're not in the shed, If you leave the shed, there's two people clamoring for that position. And one of them is more durable than you. And the other (laughs) one actually has more God-given talent than you. So the woodshed in Philadelphia is everything, I believe. On the edge of kind of Justin's question, you know, you're a part of a few fraternities and being a part of this Philadelphia DJ fraternity and sorority. I don't want to make it sound so male. Can you talk about how that has hit you in your world travels? Just like moments of intersection of just Philly, because I don't think people understand sometimes how it's just so worldwide. 
Without a doubt, Philadelphia's influence on the world musically is undeniable from rock to blue eyed soul to gospel to jazz to R&B to hip hop. You can go across a multitude of musical genres that are considered pertinent today. And in the top 10 selling artists, selling records, prolific producers, talented and workaholic DJs, vocalists, sidemen and sidewomen, meaning instrumentalists that are studio musicians that play an enormous role in this outrageous rollout of music that comes out of Philadelphia every year. It's infeasible to escape. And whether it's running into accolades of my own or running into dialogues about people who are in that fraternity and sorority that you speak of who just left that town or they're just coming into that town or there's a curiosity about whether or not I'm connected to this person because the person in the town in question maybe hasn't seen either of us in the flesh and Mm. can't believe that they actually even have the moment to ask such questions. And, you know, it also speaks a great deal about scaling and success. You know, in the pop world, success is viewed as biggest numbers, biggest accolades, biggest crowds. But success isn't always measured by pop metrics. Mm -hmm. I think that success can be measured by the paper trail that you leave, by the debris that you leave in your wake. The global footprint, that's right. And I think that the global footprint of Philadelphia and that debris that gets left in our wake as we come into and out of places, it becomes something that over my 30 years experience being out here in the bush, it's indelible. It's inescapable. And I don't feel biased. I mean, I have my obvious biases towards Philadelphia for what it's done for me, but there's no denying what Philadelphia has been able to present worldwide with regards to music presentation. Some folks, they prefer to be identified as a poet versus spoken word artist. What are your thoughts? Or what you prefer to be called? (laughs) It really doesn't matter to me. I do both. Mm -hmm. I'm capable of both. It's not dishonest. It doesn't feel limiting in situations where I've felt limited by titles. Mm -hmm. The only way you can take yourself out of the lens of limitation is to prove that you're limitless. I'm going to write that one down. Wow, wait. I like Is that yours? Wait, is that yours, Rich? I like that. Say that again. Dropping pearls of wisdom. Right. When people put you inside of limits that they put on you, the only real means to prove that you're not limited is to show that you are limitless. That could happen in just taking one step outside of those limits that they put on you. That could mean running 50 circles around it. In in these types of conversations, right, or what we try to do, even from a a marketing perspective and reaching diverse travelers and just making sure we're telling authentic stories and keep it. Laia and I have been friends for 20 years. And that's what you do in Philly. You keep up those relationships. And they take you all over the world. Yeah. Right. And so you saying that when sometimes you're trying to make sure that you you not only get it right, but that it's something that you want to be a part of, Rich, that Laia wants to be a part of that I want to be a part of or attend. That's so important. And so I just love that right there. That spoke to me. When's the next class, Rich? Right? Uh-huh. Or the that's book. Or the book. Or the book. Because the one thing am I wrong? Is you know, that's the one thing you haven't done yet is the book? I have not put out a book yet. I have been threatening to put out a book for quite a while. Since the Pew in 2021, I've looked a lot closer at what it's really going to take for me to finish a book or a number of books. 
Mm. I've taken some steps in those directions. And I think in uh, 2023, hopefully by halfway through the year, I'll be talking about that on a higher level. That would be beautiful. And then your voice is also soothing. So to have that as like an audio, is that inappropriate to say? No, it is not. Just just keep it at the voice and don't talk about the lips. Just keep it at the voice. As married, so I'm allowed to say, as we were talking about affirmations and quotes, that the voice, that's where that was coming from. Rich knows me and knows that that's all I was saying. That's mm-hmm. another dragon we've been chasing is voiceover. We've been trying to infiltrate the voiceover space for a good long time, but it's a very insular network. It is small. It's, it's crazy. How small. I, I hear like, you know, yeah, cough commercials. Yeah. And I got like three commercials in a 20 year career. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he's right. That, that kind of voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Justin, I'm, I'm speaking the truth. We both came from television like that voice. But yeah. you know, Such a great voice. And we've been blessed. You know, we've had some beautiful opportunities. I've done four or five EA sports games, done a bunch of local and regional commercials in Philadelphia, New York. But, you know, obviously, as a an aspirational person, you know, you want to go national. You want to be international. Hell yeah. But what does that mean? And what are the, the avenues to really infiltrate that space? You know, we have yet to crack the seam, but I believe once we do, it'll be bust wide open and we'll be able to pull a bunch of people through that door with us. And I yeah. think this is the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say for sure. You put the work in. Yeah, the miles are in. And I think that's the real key right there is that I think some people get fast tracked into opportunity. I think some people are in the right place in the right time. And then I think that there's also those of us that take a path less chosen. And I'm one of those artists. I've taken you are chosen. I've had a number of opportunities to do things that are more commercial or bigger. And I think a lot of our friends and our peers who do experience a credible level of commercial success, those elements and those things where someone who has more of a, more of a purist stance like me, it's like, no, I don't want to go anywhere near that. Not out of condescension or negative disposition Mm-mm. towards it, but because I didn't walk away from the golden handcuffs of corporate America to be handcuffed. That part, that part. Mm-hmm. I right. Got to do the formula and put the math and know who the whole man is to even understand that. Full working definition of independence. You, and I you know, it, if I haven't killed any meat, there's nothing in the fridge. There's merit and dynamics in that for someone like myself who has made those type of choices and you have to live with them. You you know, I have friends who are on their third, fourth and fifth house and I'm a renter. But at the same time, spiritually, I'm a zillionaire compared to them because my happiness is found at the Mm. drop of time. I'm not coming Mm. out of uh, answering to someone's space in order to answer to myself. Mm. Lady Universe is answering that. Yes. Mm. That's called freedom. I'm just saying, sometimes we can't define it. You just get these little moments. Not all of us find currency in that. You know, for many of us, currency is something that you can spend on the things that you want and need. But are all the things that you want and need material or diet or all the things that you want and need having to do with a trade situation or commerce? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Currency comes in different forms. 
Okay, so I have to admit that here at Loving Grit, we interview some pretty special, most times world-renowned chefs. However, Chef Kurt Evans hits a little different. I mean, yes, he is a Philly born and raised chef that was named rising talent finalist from the art of plating, a champion of change, world's best restaurant by San Pellegrino, and he has been featured in food and wine, Bon Appetit, Good Morning America, and Eater. That's great, but you wanna know what's better? His mission. You see, Chef Kurt Evans' work centers around criminal justice reform in America. I know you're thinking, what does this mean in food talk? Well, have you ever heard of an in mass incarceration dining series? Me either. What are you busy with today? I feel like every day you're in the middle of something else. Yeah, I just came back from a cater and well, I was over at Omar Tate's restaurant. I was at Oh, Honey how Salt. was it? Oh, it's great. It's great. Um, I'm usually there like every day. Omar's gonna hate me for doing it. They're not doing chicken and waffles sold together. They only do the chicken on Thursday. So I'm going to come next Thursday at 11.55 and order my waffle. And then when 12 o'clock, when the menu changes over, I'm going to order chicken. So that's a hack. The chef is like, I'm Mr. Champion of Change. I'm Mr. Good Morning America. I, I can do what I want to do. <laughs> now we all going to do it, though. He's like, come on, don't do that. I was like, yeah. I was like, Yo, I'm born on a podcast. I'm going to tell people what to do. You and Omar have something similar inside you that not only do you want to make food at the highest levels, you also want to feed Philadelphia. What is your drive? Because they're two different missions, but you're accomplishing both. Yeah, I think uh, we come from two different ways of looking at food, but still both of them is rooted in like black culture. And that's what us just being friends. I feel like a lot of our work has uh, overlapping intersections in black culture. Talk about your food. Tell me, act like I ain't never had nothing. Like, what would you say is the Kurt taste? I want to say it's black heritage cooking. Pretty much things that I grew up eating from my mother, my grandmother. I just got back from Houston. I did the oxtail cooking competition. So I made an oxtail shepherd's pie. The oxtail was braised in like a jerk spice. Really simple. Pulled all of the meat off. Peas, the carrots, the onions. It looked great. Uh, stewed it down. Yeah. Instead of just like a, a regular mashed potato top, I did a sweet potato mash on top. Mm-hmm. So, and, Can you yeah. explain a little bit more about the themed dinners around the criminal justice system and how you first got involved in that work and what's involved with all of that? About seven years ago, I had a restaurant, Route 23. It was on Germantown Hunting uh, Park. It was on the 23 bus route. If the doors was open in the summertime and the SEPTA bus rolled by, it'd be like Route 23, because that's what the SEPTA bus would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> one day, uh, I had about five pro officers come into the restaurant, checking on my employees. Girl that worked on front house was like, you hire a lot of people that's been formerly incarcerated. She was like, you know, that's a good thing. And I was like, you know, I'm not really doing it for a prize or nothing. Like, these just some of my friends, people I know people in the neighborhood. This is just, you know, the ethos of people I know that needs jobs. Kitchen jobs was something that a lot of them had coming home, trying to get acclimated back to like freedom and uh, Mm -hmm. getting your footing. It was like, oh, they know their way around the kitchen. So at the time at Route 23, I still was going around. I was helping Ben Miller and Christina Martinez on their undocumented dinner series called Right to Work. You know, we were having dinners, raising awareness for undocumented workers and immigrants. 
this was after I like read the new Jim Crow from Alexander Michelle. Then the 13th came out also. Netflix was like mm-hmm. banging out these documentaries. So I started noticing how people was reacting to it on social media. So I was like, let's let's have this discussion over dinner. Food has always been a great way to bring people to the table. People don't care about anything except the food. Once you're eating conversation, I feel like it, it flows easier. So um, first dinner friend of mine, Kevin Harden, who was formerly incarcerated. Now, Kevin Harden is a really big time lawyer. And he also has done work where uh, he's helped a few people uh, come home from prison as pro bono work. So he was the first person to do my dinner. And usually the dinner started out, we bring somebody in that's been formerly incarcerated and you hear their story, what they went through to get to where they are now. Had a lot of success stories where people were like, hey, I did this, I'm here now. But then it was a few dinners that I had where it was really people wasn't doing okay. It's like, I'm still trying to find my way, but I try to make people feel uncomfortable as possible. Cause I know that some people, they'll come and be like, you know what I did last night? I went to a dinner and they talked about mass incarceration. They feel so accomplished. And it's just like, nah, when people come, I look at the guest list. If you and your wife, you and your boyfriend, whatever, you guys come, I'm breaking y'all up. <laughs> you said one end, they said another end. People talk to people you don't know. I love that. Yeah, it takes you out your comfort zone. Yeah, so we try to make people as uncomfortable as possible. But figures at the table, we've had city councilmen and women, Helen Kim, Kendra Brooks, Isaiah Thomas. Actually, Biden actually was at one of my last dinners. Wow. She actually may be hosting another one coming up soon. So Wow, excuse uh, us. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have such an interesting journey because you're not attached to a restaurant. Is that something you want? How do you want to continue mm-hmm. your work? Yeah, so you guys know I was attached to a restaurant. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, the work that I, I want to do, I don't want to do good and you pay me off of like what I'm doing. Money comes to me on the back end. I do something good and my credence, the way I live my life, that's going to come after. I don't even like talking to people and they're like, you know, we should do something. Blah, blah, and the first thing you bring up is money. I separate myself from a lot of that because half the time you can get lost and the mission to get lost. That's an interesting way to go about it. And your catering business is thriving. I never even promote it. I just, I just cater. I got business that comes through word of mouth. If you taste the food, everybody wants good food. Yeah. Yeah, And that comes from like, I sat on a panel and this guy, his CEO of a company, a really big company in Philadelphia, all these people are clients of his company. He sat at a panel that I was on and like, Walked up to me at the resort. He's like, hey, we do these quarterly meetings. I want you to do our quarterly meetings. And I've been doing those for like the last two years. And one of my favorite chefs, Shola, Studio Kitchen. Shola's like a really good, amazing chef. Like if you don't know, like Shola like consults for most of the top chefs in Philly. Consults wow. restaurants all over. Okay. And Shola was having his pop-up dinners. He never posted, says, hey, I'm having this dinner. Come to this dinner. If you just happen to look on the website, if you know, you know, you look on the website. The dinners are sold out. He doesn't advertise. He just does his work. He puts up whatever you post on Instagram and then all of that comes. So, yeah, I try to separate my passion from the way I make money, if that makes sense, because it seems like a lot of it's intertwined, but a lot of it's not. No, that's awesome. That makes perfect sense. I'm glad you put the people before the money. What you're doing is so important. And the way you do it, I think, is so unique. And authentic. Yeah. And that's why everybody loves you. Like, you're not out for yourself. And you're doing good work. It's good food. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. And that kind of work always comes back to you tenfold. Yeah. And it's not all the time with the intention that it's going to come back tenfold. It's just. Uh, No, exactly. Oh, it can't be. Yeah, You're just in that point where it's delivering. 
So December 10th and 11th, I'm going to be posting up on my social media. Besides being a chef, I organize with an organization called 215 People's Alliance. I'm the mass liberation organizer. So my friend Rob, he's incarcerated. He's at SCI Co-Township. We talk on the phone three times a week, sometimes two times a day. He contacted me and was like, yo, I got this project I want to do. So he started telling me about it. So I'm turning it into a art exhibit and mass incarceration dinner. So we've been talking on the phone, me and another organizer, Jamie. We've been transcribing their stories. They've sent us their stories. So we got them handwritten as well. And we also pretty much have their stories audio. The exhibit will be after the dinner. So we're doing two EMI dinners. One dinner is for a guy named Sergio. He's the organizer of Working Families Party. And another one is with someone named Karima. And with the dinners now that I do, I used to raise money for organizations. Now I raise money and put them in individuals' hands. A lot of people are just home and they're doing a lot of work in the community. Mm -hmm. So they do a lot of work that don't come with a, a financial benefit from it, but they do a lot of emotional work. So celebrating these people, because sometimes people that come home that have been in prison, you're looked at as like, you're a criminal. You know, we've seen all of the uh, propaganda during election time, how they treated people that's been incarcerated. So a lot of these individuals are like really figures that are in our community doing a lot of work with a lot of stuff that's happening in our community. So the, the stories will be on a friend of mine's podcast. His name's Suave Gonzalez. His podcast won a Pulitzer called Death by Incarceration. He's going to put the stories on his podcast. And he's also providing two paintings for the art exhibit. Is he from yeah. Philly? Yeah, Suave's from Philly. He was, uh, come on. We got to get him on, on this through. podcast. When we get off, I'll connect Justin out. Yeah, Kirk, so connect I'll, us. I'll, I'll connect you out with Suave. That's there are great. so many dots to be connected because I was like, man, you also made me think about Dice Raw, who's been doing like plays on mask incarceration the last 10 years and bringing it to like so many mm-hmm. stages. Like what? So you got it. Oh, you hitting this community right. Okay. All right. Let us know how we can serve you, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Art Basel's coming up, and Love and Grit is a part of it this year. Oh, dang. I thought she was going to say all up in it this year. <laughs> I know. I like that. I like it. Right. So tell us how Philadelphia is going to be on the stage in Miami. So I'm so excited because this is Love and Grit on the Road Miami Art Week edition. And basically, we're connecting artists, art lovers, and tourists to see the best of what Philly has to offer. Not for nothing, people don't sleep. Philadelphia is not just the food mecca and the music mecca. The visual artistry that comes out of Philly is like no other. I mean, check the mural. So I'm excited to see some of our most famous and dopest artists down there. It's going to be a party. Rich Medina is spinning. So that's going to give us all kind of world vibes. I'm, and Love I'm, and Grit is showing it. people how great Philadelphia is and what we're talking about on this yeah. podcast all that's the time. That's right. We're in partnership with Tiny Room for Elephants, Yaya and Dean, they've been on the podcast. Yeah. Bungie Brand, he's been on the podcast. Yo, Kendrick, the Family Soul, they'll be down there with artists. So it's gonna be, you never know who you, that's fun. the thing about Philly, we everywhere. Yeah, and then the, even with this activation, there will be an exhibition, an audio tour that tells and showcases, very similar to the podcast, the Bungie Brand from the first sketch in prison to being in Neiman Marcus. And I love that having story. all of that on display. I'm really excited. It's Friday, December 2nd from 11 to 4 p.m. at Planta South Beach. But let's talk about some of the surprise and delights. We're not going to give everything away right here, but you know we're going to have food, cocktails, 
cocktails and then plenty of gift bags. What's the good Just stuff? The, Tell me what's the good you stuff. You want to know? Yeah, okay, what's the good so bag we have JJL Candle Company with scented candles. So Vani flavored sparkling water, MIT 45 liquid energy shot, Mason mm. Palo Santo smudge stick, Ooh. Nature Lab hair care products, and that Ooh. is just a sample, okay? I'm not telling you everything because we want you to show up, show out, and have a good time and either experience Philly or just represent Philly. Don't forget to follow us on the socials at Love Grit Philly. We'll see you there and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>